0: I was um, recently in America with with Gina, and we were ministering over there Um, two weekends ago. We had the privilege of ministering in Jacksonville, Florida, and I also got a sneaky visit of my son, uh, Ethan, and Gabby as well, my daughter. And then last weekend, we had a four-day tent meeting in New York, and it was so powerful. And uh, thank you for all those who were praying. We really saw just such an increase of the gifts of the Spirit, words of knowledge, people getting supernaturally healed. And uh, boy, you put me under a tent and I get kind of crazy. That's a perfect environment for an Andy. But we got back from Matt so thankful. Now, why am I saying that? Just to let you know where I've been because some people said to me this morning, oh, you're still in the church. Yes, we're still here, but we pop away every now and then to do things. But I want to talk off of something that was on my mind on the plane. And I want to start today just a very small series of thoughts, just going to last three or four weeks, around the thought of pursuit. Specifically, I want to talk today on something called The Pursuit of Happiness. How many people have ever heard about The Pursuit of Happiness? Now, we know that it was a film, wasn't it, with Will Smith in The Pursuit of happiness but this statement was on my heart as i was travelling to the united states which is quite relevant because the statement the pursuit of happiness comes from a document that the united states wrote to the king of england on july the 4th they presented it 1776 now that document It wasn't a very nice document. I can say that now because I'm back in England. I had to watch my step when I was in America. And uh, it was interesting. When I started in the mornings, I started each message by going, hey, how's your pursuit of happiness going? And some people got it, others didn't. But included in this document called the uh, Declaration of Independence was a statement about a person having a right to pursue happiness and this thought really lodged into me on the airplane ride to America I kept thinking what a great statement the pursuit of happiness now let's be honest we're all on a pursuit of happiness aren't we is anyone on a pursuit of being miserable now you may be miserable but that's not your pursuit right We all have something within us. What is pursuit? A going after, a striving, um, a a running fast after something. Now, a little bit of history for those who didn't know. July the 4th, 1776... America sent a a letter or a declaration to the King of England because up to that point, America had been a colony, a plant, something that had come out of England and was under the government and the rule and reign of England until this day in 1776, where they gave something called a Declaration of Independence to the King of England and to England. that basically said... We are no longer under your rule and reign. We are no longer a part of your kingdom. We now choose autonomy and to be self-governing as a nation. And it was that moment when America pulled away from being under the rule and reign and the government of England. There were a number of issues why. Some of them were tax issues. But a lot of the other issues, when you read the Declaration of Independence, were different reasons, some being claims of unfair treatment, uh, border control and certain things. But in the middle of the Declaration of Independence, it makes this statement. And this statement was the one that I thought, man, that's really getting in my heart. It says, we hold, this is exactly as it's written in the Declaration of Independence, we hold these truths to be self-evident that all men are created equal. We believe that, don't we? That they are endowed by their creator, God, with certain unalienable rights. Now, this is the bit I want you to catch, that among these rights, every person created by God is entitled to life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. Isn't that an interesting statement to put in a legal document when you're leaving the uh, rule and reign of a nation? They said every person made by God has a legal God-given right to know life, to know liberty, freedom and to be able to be on the pursuit of happiness. Now, without trying to annoy any Americans here, have we got any Americans here apart from my wife who's American? She won't get annoyed with me. We've got another American at the back. We've got a couple of dual citizens that are both English and American, so I can get away with this. But without trying to annoy anyone that's American who may be listening to the podcast also... When we talk about the Declaration of Independence, we talk about the moment where America said to England, "We no longer want to live under your rule." Now, not comparing America to Adam, but it is a great similarity—a similarity to what happened in the Garden of Eden in Genesis. You see, Adam and Eve and all of us in Adam and Eve, when you're born, you're born into Adam. When you're born again, you're born into Christ. Can you say amen? But all of us have a great, 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 great granddad who's the same. We all find our heritage from Adam and Eve who were created by God and positioned in the Garden. Now, when God made Adam and Eve, and again, I'm not comparing the crime of Adam and Eve and the treason of Adam and Eve to that of America, you need to work that out and pray that through yourselves, all right? But what I'm saying is Adam and Eve were made by God and God created for them everything they needed to be happy. Do you believe that? Do you think God positioned them in a place of misery? No, absolutely not. God gave them everything they needed for perfect happiness. God gave them everything under his care that they needed for freedom and true liberty. And God provided everything for them that they needed for life, true life. But in the Garden of Eden, we see that the devil sneaks in and whispers in the ear of Adam and Eve that God is keeping things from them. The snake whispers in the ear of Eve and then Eve whispers to Adam that there's a happiness that's better than what God can provide. How many of us know that's a lie? Come on, from the moment we could reason, we've all been on the pursuit of happiness and we've all pursued happiness in many different directions, right? But the snake came in the garden and whispered in the ears of Adam and Eve, there's a happiness that's better than the happiness that God gives. There's a freedom that's better than the freedom that God gives. There's a life that's better than the life that you found in God. Now the problem was Adam and Eve believed these lies. And we read about this in Genesis chapter 3 verse 6. It says, When the woman saw that the fruit of the tree was good for food and pleasing to the eye, the happiness that was being offered outside of God, and also desirable for gaining wisdom and happiness, she took some and ate it. She also gave some to her husband who was with her, and he he ate it too. Then the eyes of both of them were opened and they realised that they were naked. So they sewed fig leaves together and made coverings for themselves. Now, beyond the fig leaves, the shame, the nudity, was this moment where actually when Adam and Eve knew they shouldn't eat of that tree, God had been very clear. He'd said, every tree in the garden is for you. He said, there's two trees you need to know about. One's called the tree of life. In the tree of life is true happiness, true liberty, true freedom. But then God said, because he had to, to give man choice, he said there's another tree called the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. A tree that says, I know better than God. There's things that I can get that are better than what God can give me. In the Garden of Eden, in this moment of divine treason, Adam and Eve turned their back on the provision of God to go in pursuit of things that they thought were better than what God could give them. They ate the fruit of the tree of knowledge of good and evil. We could call that the tree of I know better than God. And the moment they ate of that tree... They stopped living the way God wanted them to live. They stopped experiencing life the way that God wanted them to experience life. They stopped enjoying happiness like God had planned for them to know happiness. And they gave away their liberty and their freedom to start an ongoing, never-ending, until Jesus' pursuit for these three things. Life, liberty, And happiness now I wanted to lay that platform or that background so that we can over the next couple of weeks I'm going to do it in reverse order speak of these three things today we're going to speak about the pursuit of happiness next week I'm going to speak about the pursuit for liberty and freedom and then the final week I'm going to speak on the pursuit of life there may be another one after that let's see what happens when we get there right (coughs) Now, a pursuit began which was actually a sad pursuit because they moved from experiencing to pursuing. You see, before they took the devil's deal, before they turned their back on the government of God and said, we don't want to be a part of your kingdom anymore, the stupid thing was they had happiness. They couldn't have been happier. They had liberty beyond anything they could understand. They were in charge of the whole garden. They were second under God. And they had life that was natural and spiritual. But because they were lied to, they gave up the experience of something for the pursuit of something. That's crazy, eh? When you're on a pursuit for something that you already had but you just left it behind. So let's consider this. The lie that was spoken to them affected these three areas. And this pursuit has continued and continues till a person finds Jesus as Lord and Saviour. Now the Bible recognises two Adams. It says that there's a first Adam and there's a last Adam. There's a fleshly Adam and there's a spiritual Adam. Like I said, we believe that when we're born naturally, we're born into the natural man, Adam, who was already spiritually dead from the moment he left the garden. But when we're born again, the Bible says that no one sees the kingdom of God unless they're born again. In that moment, we're actually born out of a natural Adam, sentenced to death, into the spiritual last Adam, which is Jesus Christ. And everything that's in Jesus becomes our experience too. That's why it's vital that you know that your life is now hidden in Christ. Now, this statement, the pursuit of happiness, like I said, I was on an aeroplane and I just couldn't shake it off aeroplanes are good places for me to think I'm a very distracted person and the best place for me to think about future it's like whenever I come back from an aeroplane flight I walk in the office then I Stuart? and I'm like we've got to do this we've got to do that we've got to do this now we've got to do this I've seen the future God so it's because I'm locked in a chair for eight hours and I can't go anywhere and I actually stop and start thinking But most of the flight to America, now you've got to understand, preaching against the Declaration of Independence went down really well in America. It was one of my best moments yet, joking, it was really good. People actually ran into the kingdom of God when we were there. But when we talk about the pursuit of happiness, that's still man's pursuit today, isn't it? When you speak to people, what do they really want today? They want freedom, don't they? They want to be free. They want to know what love is. They want to know what life is. Maybe we'll add number four as the pursuit of love. That could fit. This is real time. It's growing even as we're doing this together. But really, we want to be happy. Man has a craving in their fallen life to find true happiness. Yet again, just like Adam didn't realise he already had it in the garden. Do you know the sad thing today? Many Christians don't know that they have it again in Jesus. Because the fruit of the Spirit, one of the fruits of the Spirit, is joy. Now, joy trumps happiness. Because happiness is the branch of a greater root called joy. When you're born again and you receive Jesus as Saviour, God places your life in Christ and places the life of Christ, his spirit, in you. Which means in your moment of new birth, you actually are re-plugged into the happiness and the joy that God intended for you to know. So today, unsaved people and unsaved people are still on the pursuit of happiness but looking for it in places apart from God. We've all done this, haven't we? I mean, is there anyone innocent this morning? And is, you know, Could you get up and tell us your secrets? I mean, um, we've all done this. We've all been in pursuit of happiness, which is a God-given right for every person created equal. The problem is we looked in the wrong places. Now, I don't mean wrong places because the places were evil, though some of them were, sometimes they were wrong places, which were actually things given by God to make us happy. But we placed a demand on those things to give us a happiness that only God could give us. So we actually killed and warped the things that should have made us happy. What are some of the things that people are in pursuit of? Success, right now this could be a huge list you meet people saved and unsaved I just got to get this job I've just got to get this promotion I've just got to be recognized as a rock star and they can't even sing right I I just got to be on x-factor I I just got to be on dragons Den. I've just got to be an inventor I've just got to be an innovator I, I, I just need to be celebrated I've just got to do something That's the sound of a person. Now, don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with being the best you. But when you're trying to find true happiness in that, you're heading down a dead end. Because true happiness, I'm going to say this a thousand and one times, is found in one place. And that's a real-time living relationship with the God who made you. What's some other things? Well, like I said, the pursuit of success isn't evil. And I love it when I hear people getting promotions, getting increases, getting opportunities. Those things are of God. The problem is when people are trying to find full happiness from those things, thinking that the end of their pursuit is found in success. What would be a negative one? Addiction. People look for happiness or the feeling of happiness in addiction. A bottle, a drug, one more drink, one more drug, one more high. And they experience an element of happiness, nothing like what God provides. He's the most high. Amen. But they experience for a moment a feeling of happiness from a drug or from alcohol how many people know that feeling ain't there in the morning (laughs) there's another feeling that replaces it in the morning and it certainly isn't happiness but how many people do you know that I've known that are drinking and taking drugs from one drink to another from one drug to another and actually the root of the problem is they don't feel happy and they feel that those things could give them happy. Actually, those things will give you happy maybe for a moment, but then they've got the potential to kill you also. Relationships. How many people know that relationships are a God-given thing? But in the beginning, when we read in Genesis, God invented marriage. He said it's not good for a man to be alone. God didn't just invent marriage. I think he also, well, I know he also invented friendship. He made it so that we could have intimate relationships within marriage. He made it so that we could have friendships. He made it so that we could have sons and daughters and and fathers and mothers. Relationships are a gift from God. Somebody give an amen. All right. But what we've sometimes done in a pursuit of happiness is try to draw From earthly relationships, something that they can't give, something that comes from God alone. There's a piece of the jigsaw of your life that is God-shaped, and no other piece can fill it. You see, you were made to walk in relationship with God. But sometimes what we've done, and I've pastored now for about 26 years, and I've seen people get married But then I've seen one of them or both of them try to suck out of the other person things the other person can't give because they're things that only a creator God can give. And instead of enjoying the relationship, they cripple it. They treat the other person like the answer to everything and and just draw upon them beyond what they should draw and wonder why the relationship becomes unfruitful, warped, a chore, and they need help managing it. Why? Well, a number of reasons. Sometimes it's because 1 or both of being idiots. That's possible. But other times it's because there's things that your partner, that your friends, that your parents can't give you because they're things that God wants to give you from him to you now here's the good news when you get God in his correct place you begin to draw correctly on the gift of relationships that he's positioned in your life and they don't become warped they become fruitful can you see the difference because now you're finding your deepest need in God and not in someone created in his image And when you get God in his right place and begin to build a daily walk with the Lord, he gives you happiness beyond anything anyone could give you. But what happens then is you step into your marriage, you step into your friendships, you step into your family relationships, and there's a healthy dynamic because you're not trying to get from that other person what they can't give. So actually finding your happiness in God Brings blessing to every relationship in your life. Man, that list could go on. I know people who are trying to find their happiness in cars. Just one more car, just one more car. I've got to have the Dukes of Hazard car, then I'll be happy. I've got to have Night Rider, then I'll be happy. I just need this new model of car. I need a car. The, the guy next to me got this car. If I could get that car, that's the sound of the pursuit of happiness. But again, what they're looking to is going to leave them disappointed because a car is an inanimate object. It can't give you the happiness that God wants to give. So that list could carry on. I think Jeremiah kind of really nailed this when he spoke about, I know this is one of Pastor Stewart's favourite verses, Jeremiah chapter 2 and verse 13. Because this isn't a new problem, this was an Adam and Eve problem that was a problem through the Old Testament and sadly is still a problem into the New Testament for many Christians that look to other things rather than God for true happiness. Now this is what Jeremiah says in verse 13. My people have committed two sins or two crimes. Number one, they have forsaken me the spring of living water. Number two, They've dug dug for themselves cisterns, broken cisterns, that cannot hold water. So what's God saying through Jeremiah? He's saying, number one, people are still doing to me today what Adam and Eve did in the garden. And instead of coming to me for everything they need, they're turning their back on me and looking to other things. Number two, he says, what they're doing is they're getting broken cisterns how can we modernize that buckets with holes in that make more sense there you go I just rewrote Jeremiah two nineteen. my people have turned their back on me and they're getting buckets with big fat holes in thinking that the buckets with big fat holes in will hold the water that they need, the problem is when they go back to the broken bucket, the water they need to quench their thirst, to give them the happiness they think they need, is no longer in the bucket because the bucket's broken. Meanwhile, God says, and the whole time I'm here, true happiness is in me. God's saying, I ain't no broken bucket. I've got more happiness than you could ever deal with in a lifetime. But you've got to turn your back on broken buckets and come back to the source of true living water. I love it that Jeremiah speaks of the life that comes from God as springs of living water. You know, If you've got your Bibles, we can turn to the book of John, chapter 4. Remember, if you're going through the Gospels, it's Matthew, Mark, Luke and John, hold the horse until I'm on. All right, everybody got the poem? You'll never forget that again. So John 4 introduces us to the lady at the well. Remember the lady who was thirsty, the lady that was on a pursuit of happiness for herself. In John 4, we read about this encounter and it says this in verse 13 and 14 of John 4. It says, Where am I? Let me just find my place. Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water, the water that the life of this world offers, will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks from the water I give, they will never thirst again. Indeed, the water I give them, the happiness I give them, will become in them a spring A rushing spring of water, welling up and lasting even unto eternal life. Okay, let's backtrack. You've got a woman at the well... She's there at a time when other women weren't drawing water, which means she's committed crimes that meant they didn't want to be with her. She's a Samaritan. Jesus is a Jew. He shouldn't have been nearer, but Jesus didn't live under those regulations and separations. And Jesus, knowing the thirst of this woman, that this woman is in pursuit of happiness, comes to her and says, would you like to give me a drink? She said... I'll give you a drink. He said, if you knew who I was, you'd ask me for one. And all of a sudden, he says to her, let me tell you about your pursuit. You are plowing through relationships looking for um, happiness. You are plowing through relationships. She says, you're right. I've had four or five husbands. The person I'm with now isn't my husband. It was probably someone else's husband, And this woman was going from relationship to relationship from relationship, looking for love, looking for happiness. But the reason every other relationship broke down was the happiness that she sought was not in a relationship with a man as much as it's in a relationship with a God who made her. And Jesus says, you need to find your happiness in me. And when you find happiness in me, and in my father you will never first again in this life we got to get our relationships in correct order you know when me and Gina got married 30 years ago in August we got married and uh, August the 21st we had discussions about this and we spoke about this and we made a commitment to each other that for both of us God would always be first and then the other person would be next. That's what she wanted. That's what I wanted. But in our relationship, there's no one like each other in our relationship. But both of us, first God. First God. First God. Now, there's no bum deal here because it's first God and you get everything else that's left. See, when God's number one, he blesses everything else. When you find true happiness in God, everything else makes you happy like it was meant to make you happy. But we've got to come back to that place where we turn our backs on other broken buckets. Come back to God and say, you are my pursuit of happiness. My pursuit of happiness ends with you. God, you've got the happiness that I need that isn't gone in the morning. You've got the happiness that my heart craves. God, I turn away from broken buckets, success, relationships, new cars, all of those things to bring you again to that place where you're number one. It's amazing. Like I said, when uh, when you get him in his correct place, he blesses everything else. I love the teachings of Jesus in Matthew six. I love the teaching to Jesus throughout the whole Bible, but in Matthew six. He gives this little, little ingredient that can change your life. You ready? Seek first the kingdom, what's kingdom, rule and reign of God. And everything else that has the potential to make you happy, he will add to you. So what do we do? We seek everything else, burn ourselves out, blow up relationships because we ignore what Jesus is saying. How about today we remind ourselves? Now I'm coming back to God first. My greatest seek. Oh, wait a moment. What is it to seek? It's to pursue. Pursue first God, his kingdom, his ways, his rule and reign, his lordship, his love. And then he will add to... You haven't even got to go shopping for it. He will add to you the other things in life that make you smile. It's a good deal, right? Actually, when you open that up a little bit further... It says that Jesus firstly says this in bigger context. Don't be like people that are unsaved. Don't be like pagans and heathens, he says. Don't be like people that don't know me. The band can come on up if they want. Don't let be like people that don't acknowledge me as Lord because they seek things first. Come on, how many of you have watched your neighbours working hard, two jobs, three jobs, just to get a new car. (laughs) Three jobs, four jobs to get another garage door because the person across the road got a new garage door. Four jobs, five jobs, no longer spending time with the wife that they married to spend time with. You stand at the front of the altar, I just want to spend all of my life and all of my days with you. 20 years later, you're working 403 jobs. Not to provide, but to get the things you think you need to make you happy. God says, no, no, don't be like those. Where's the rest of the worship band? We're not getting up here or what? Come on. I wasn't joking. I really meant it. Jesus said, no, seek first. Pursue first what can only come from me. Now here it comes, and then I, your God, who knows the things you need and the things you want, will add to you, like any good father will do for his children, the things that make you go, yeah. Most of you know that me and Gina have got five kids, and... uh, on this Father's Day I'm reminded that my commitment was to always give them what they needed, I've worked and I've done everything I can to provide my children with the things they need, because that's what good fathers do right but also so many times I've sat there and looked at them and had the desire to also give them the things that they want never the things they want that will harm them, I'm not an idiot dad But when I've seen little desires that my children have had, they're not begging, they're not saying, oh, Dad, I want this, not being spoiled, but I just see them or hear them talking about something. And it's not what they need. It's not clothes and food and a roof over their head. Just something that they want. Come on, how many dads recognise you sit there and your heart is, I want to give them that too. Some of my biggest frustrations in life has not been not being able to give them what they need, but not being able to give them what they want when they deserved it. My heavenly father is so much better than me. When you seek first, pursue him first. He gives you the things you need, but also the things he knows will make you happy. If you're here today and you've never given your life to Jesus, I want to invite you right now. Maybe you've been on a pursuit for other things. I want to invite you now, just as we pray, to pray with me. In fact, let's all pray together. And then we're just going to say, here's an opportunity to start a relationship with God. That's all we're going to do. Not weird, not wacky. Let's just pray this together, church. Thank you, Heavenly Father, that Jesus Christ is your only beloved son. And he died on a cross to repair what Adam and Eve did to make a way for me to be born again and find new life in you. Jesus, I acknowledge you as Saviour and I receive that new life. Amen. Just my every head's bowed, eye closed. If you prayed that prayer today because you've been away from God or you've never known God, I'm going to count to three and give you the opportunity to lift your hand. That's all I'm going to do. One two three god bless you sir god bless you there's two people that's awesome well done takes a bravery that does takes bravery courage that does well done well done anyone else anyone else you don't have to it's your choice it's always your choice with god anyone else want to say i give my life to jesus i give my life back to jesus today fantastic so excited for your response give us a couple of moments afterwards at that back corner we want to give you a Bible and give you some stuff to help you on your way there welcome to the family I love that that's brilliant okay we're going to stand now and just take a few minutes leave that where it is that's okay we're going to stand now just take a couple of moments just to worship God would you stand with me and I'm going to speak this over you first so that then she can take the table The Lord bless you. I've had this written on the table. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine on you. Be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. Just lift your hands with me now. Father, forgive us for pursuing happiness in things outside of you. You are the source of happiness. God, we turn our backs on broken buckets and we make you our pursuit and the happiness that you give the pursuit of our life. Amen.